Well, praise the Lord. And uh, I want to welcome you back to the broadcast here on Spiritual Awareness. You, As you know, I always record one day ahead of time. Um, so I'm recording this actually on Saturday prior to Father's Day. And uh, I'm looking down on my computer where it says 122. <laughs> and it's giving me a warning on my computer. So hopefully my computer is going to last through this. Um, if you hear the background noise, it is the air conditioner, which is laboring right now, trying to keep up with it. Um, like I said, on my computer screen right now, it says 122 with a big warning flashing. <laughs> overheat, overheat. Praise Jesus. I welcome you uh, to another uh, exciting message here uh, with Spiritual Awareness broadcast. Um, you're listening to us. Uh, via um, the computer, whether you be on Spotify or Apple or wherever your venue is that you're listening to us. I want to begin today by thanking each and every one of you for allowing me this time to come into your home uh, or if you're on your laptop or wherever you may be. Um, and I want to thank you for the love and the support and the prayers. Uh, many of you, as you know, I had a, a light stroke. Uh, my left side was uh, deficit, and uh, I couldn't hardly use my left side at all. Uh, I was, how we say, cloudy, uh, confused. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say dumb-witted, <laughs> because that's, that's my normal state of, of thought there. Anyway, for the letters and the emails and the support, the cards, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. For the many many prayers that you you sent my way, uh, I thank you. I'm I'm doing much much better. Um, uh, most uh, I'm about 75% uh, back to normal. Uh, they've they've ordered a therapy for me, and I, uh, hopefully a VA uh, gets with it. I should be doing that in the next weeks to come. Notice I said weeks to come. It is the VA. Uh, so we'll be doing that shortly. I plan to be at Gospel of Faith Church. I won't be preaching. Brother uh, Pastor Robert will be preaching services at uh, Gospel of Faith Church in Ash Fork on the 4th uh, or, that, or that weekend. I guess that's next weekend. Uh, he will be preaching next weekend. I will be doing the music. Um, got my hand where I can actually play the piano. So I'll be doing the music and... Uh, we're, we're going to have a potluck dinner there. So if you're out and about and you're up in the Ash Fork area, please stop by. Uh, love to visit with you and just come on by and, and uh, enjoy uh, the praise and the worship uh, and, and a wonderful sermon by Pastor Robert. And uh, love to see you there. Uh, and then the following weekend, I will be preaching there. And uh, we always have a good time. You know, no matter who's preaching, we always have a, a wonderful service at Gospel of Faith Church. We're right off of uh, Highway 89 and Bullock Road. Highway 89 and Bullock Road, about three and a half miles south of Ash Fork, Arizona. So y'all just come on by, and uh, we'll just we'll just have a we'll just have a, a revival there. I'm telling you, praise God. We'll just have a a, a great time of revival, uh, and just uh, just. Praise the Lord and, and just uh, pray the Holy Spirit uh, come into that church and open the windows and 
and pull back the blinds and just just let the Holy Ghost uh, go out amongst the the juniper woods out there and just let everybody catch catch uh, catch the the uh, Holy Spirit, you know, as as it comes home by, you know, we'll praise Jesus. Uh, you know, I want to wish everybody a, a happy Father's Day. You know, uh, like I said, I, I pre-broadcast this or pre-record it one day earlier. And uh, maybe I should have done it tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's, like I said, it's 122 right now out here. And that's inside the that's inside the, the uh, recording studio. So you can imagine what it is outside. Uh, today we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 11 and 12 to begin with. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. I thought, you know, being Father's Day, I wanted to look at what God says uh, the measure of a man would be. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord God, lifting up all the fathers out there, all the, the dads out there, all all those that, that Lord, we know sometimes it's, it's hard to be a father. Sometimes it's hard to be a dad. In today's world, with everything that's going on, unemployment, being out of work, jobs, you know, Lord, and it's tough. It's tough. But Lord, we know that you are with us, that you stand with us. And Lord, we know that that if we have you, we have everything. We know, Lord God, that the devil comes by and tempts us. You know, hey, why go back to work? You got unemployment. You know, why, why, why do that? You know, when you can just sit at home and do nothing and draw unemployment. You know what? That's not God's way. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, that's not God's way. God intended us to work. God intended us to make a living with our hands, to make a living with our minds, our bodies, and our souls, to attend church, to pay tithing, you know, to, to help the church to grow. That's what God intended mankind to do. Male or female, house winner, no matter what you are, if you're the breadwinner of a house, God intended you to make a living, to pay tithe to your church, to help the church grow, to do the things that your family must do to get by. That's what God intended. So that you could do best for your family. And sitting at home, you know, playing Nintendo, sitting at home doing nothing, Letting your mind rot, letting your mind wander, letting the devil tempt you. That's, that's not of God. That's just not of God. So let's get back. Let's get back to doing what Christians do best. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Serving our God. And working. Working to make America great again. Just doing the things that... that that we need to do, the things that, that made this country what it is today. You know, this weekend is, is Father's Day, but next weekend is the, is the 4th of July. We need to make sure that we're making America the very best country that it's always been and always will be. Let's ask this today in Jesus' mighty name, that Lord God, that you will just put us back where we know we can be the greatest country in the world today. Let's do it in Jesus' mighty name. What do you say? Amen and amen today. Praise God. Praise God.
Well, that AC is just a working. It's got it down to 121 inside this studio. So it's got to be about 126 outside here in Fort Mojave, Arizona. I'm telling you, it is warm outside, brothers and sisters. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 6, 11 and 12. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on a, a, eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So one of the things we need to do is, is have a measurement in the world today. And I wonder how we measure up with all the, all the fussing and the fighting that we've been through in the last couple of years. And all the fussing and the fighting that we're still doing in the cities of America. We live in a world that depends of secure and unchanging measurements. Is that what we're professing in America today? In fact, there, there are government agencies that go around doing tests on various devices to make sure that companies are, are being honest in, in selling the goods. I was in, a, I was in a, a service station the other day, and the guy was testing the gas pumps, and I was filling up my Challenger. And the guy walked over to my, my gas pump and he said, say, you think you, got, uh, you think you got a full tank of gas for the amount of money you paid? And I said, well, I hope so. I just got $46 worth. And he said, well, those other pumps over there, they were, they, they were about 60 cents off. And I, I, I looked at this guy, he worked, for, he worked for the people that test gas pumps. And I said, really? I said, you're going to tell me that now? Why didn't you test this pump first? He said, why didn't you pull over to one of them other pumps I just got done with? <laughs> I said, well, you could have flagged me down. Would have, could have, should have. When you go to the gas pumps, you will see a seal there that lists the name of the state agency that has determined that that pump has delivered exactly one gallon of gas accurately. So what if that measurement of, of a gallon was variable? What if one company would give three quarters of a gallon and yet say it was a gallon? The public would rise up in arms, wouldn't it? Because the companies would be guilty of cheating the consumer. The Food and Drug Administration also has a, a, a division that spends time in inspecting pharmaceutical companies to make sure that when they say that the drug has 1,000 milligrams in it, that it has that precise amount. Every 1,000 milligrams will always equal one gram. But I ask you what if drug companies decided to have variable amounts of the contents of the chemicals that went into developing that drug. It would have a huge impact on our health, wouldn't it? The building industry is also regulated by inspectors who, who have determined that 
12 inches will always be equivalent to one foot. Our world would be full of engineering disasters if the standards of measurements all de-engineered into such a state of chaos. Bridges would collapse because the cement would not be as strong as what they say it is. And there are other measurements that would we could explore today also. The matter of time has great impact on how airports function, how hospitals schedule procedures, how the shipping industry works. The matter of money also has a great impact on local, national, and, and world economics, for instance. If there was a great variable in any of these categories, it would have a, a very negative impact on the order of the world. The same thing can be said for the scope of the spiritual world, where the traffic of men's souls and women's souls moves not just on a daily docking, but on the eternal path they travel. There are measurements that we can find in the word of God that can help us to see which way to go. See, I have a little book I carry in my, in my personal uh, library that, that was, was written in 1665. While I don't have an original copy, what I do have is just as good. A reprint done by the Banner and the Truth Trust. The title of this little book is The Godly Man's Portrait. It was written by Thomas Watson. A little over 250 pages. It was, has 12 chapters uh, that are directly written toward what a godly man might look like. It was quite a popular book 400 years ago when men were concerned about being godly. Its popularity has long since departed in our society and it, it isn't likely to hit the New York Times bestseller list anytime soon. But he lists 24 different points in showing what a godly man actually looks like. And it's always been wonderful for me to take it out every once in a while and look at it and check those things that a godly man actually looks like. It is a sense of measurement that helped men in the bygone era to see what God longed for in his saints. Now, according to Watson, he discovered the Bible said that a godly man is a man of knowledge, a man moved by faith, a man fired by love, a man like God, a man careful about the worship of God, a man who serves God and not men, a man who prizes Jesus Christ, a man who can weep, a man who loved the word of God. A man who has a spirit of God residing in him. A man of humility. A man of prayer. A man of sincerity. A heavenly man. A zealous man. A patient man. A thankful man. A man who loves the saints. A man who loves the saints as well. 
a man who does not indulge himself in sin, a man who is good in his relationships, a man who does spiritual things in a spiritual manner, a man thoroughly trained in religion, a man who walks with God, a man who strives to be an instrument for making others godly. Now, instead of a men who are pursuing the American dream or, or chasing after empty pots of gold or giving themselves a pass that leans towards laziness or checking out from responsibility, these are some measurements that are going to require work to obtain. But what? What if there were just a handful of men in this town or this city or this world who, who wanted to say, I want to measure up to what God wants me to be? Our church would change. This broadcast would change. Our families would change. This country would change. Our destination would change. My prayer on this Father's Day, 2021, is that we pursue the things of, that God measures all mankind by. The text that I read originates in the pastoral epistles, meaning that it is was written from Paul to Timothy and has emphasis on those who are in spiritual leadership roles in the church. However, it is important to understand that every man who comes into the kingdom of God is designated as a man of God, whether he is in the pulpit or not. Every father is preaching with his life as much as he is with his words. As an example, there is an old parable told by a Haitian pastor. Hold on. I have to wipe this sweat out of my eyes and off my glasses. We're down to a simple 120 in the studio. Woo! It is warm in here. <laughs> he told that there was a man who wanted to sell his house for $2,000. Another man in the area desperately wanted to buy it, but he did not have the means to have it. After a lot of bargaining, the owner agreed to sell the house for $1,000. However, the reduced price came with a stipulation. The owner would be able to retain ownership of a large nail that was just above the front door. 
Now, several years had passed, and the original owner decided he wanted to buy the house back. Understandably, the new owner was unwilling to sell it back to him. So the original owner goes out and finds the carcass of a dead dog, and he hangs it on the nail right above the door. It was, after all, the nail that he owned. It wasn't too long before the house began to be, became unlivable, and the family was forced to sell the home to the owner of the nail. <laughs> the Haitian pastor concluded the story, if we leave the devil with even one small peg in our life, he will return to hang his rotting garbage on it. If the enemy has one access to just a single nail in your life, he will exploit it. Amen. So I'm wondering, are there any nails hanging over the front door of your life? Don't give the devil or the world any room to take advantage of you. If there's a single place in your life, he can take advantage of it and he will do it. Listen to the instructions or the instructors of Paul. When Paul was writing these words to Timothy, he used a Greek word, phego, F-H-E-U-G-O, phego pronounced fuge. We get the English word fugitive from the word, the, this root word, literally meaning to seek safety by flight. Who are to flee from something because it is abhorrent to your soul? Extra biblical literature often use this word to relation to fleeing from, the, uh, from a snake or a dragon. A man of God is measured by what he flees from. In some other places, Paul told us that we are to flee from some things. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from fornication, 1 Corinthians 10.14, flee from idolatry, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, flee from covetousness and the love of money, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, flee from youthful lust. This is still good advice in our generation. We live in a sensual, idolatrous, money-loving, lust society. Every device of the devil can use, he will do so to subvert our souls. We have to flee. But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul was talking about fleeing from the clutches of greed. He introduces the subject in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. 1 Timothy, it says, But godliness... With contentment is great gain. Seven, for we, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolishness and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. I'm going to say it again. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, coveted, excuse me, coveted after, they have erred from the faith 
and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Then he says, flee from it. It is a deadly trap that has been pro, uh, promoted to the highest level in America. Greed will hide itself then before man ever releases it. Excuse me, realized it. Told you it's hot in here. The trap has slammed shut and he is caught on the maddening treadmill. Why can't anyone in the grip of greed see it? The counterfeit God of money uses powerful psychological, psychological uh, dynamics. Lord, hotter in here than I thought. Everyone tends to live in a particular social economical bracket. Once you are able to afford to live in a particular neighborhood, send your children to its schools, participate in its social life, you will find yourself surrounded by quite a number of people who have more money than you. You don't compare yourself to the rest of the world. You compare yourself to those in your bracket. The human heart always wants to justify itself, and this is one of the earliest ways, easiest ways. Okay, it's back up to 121 in here. You say, I don't live as well as him or her or them. My means are modest compared to theirs. And you can begin to reason and think like that no matter how lavishly you are living, as a result, most Americans think of themselves as middle class and only 2% call themselves upper class. But the rest of the world is not fooled. When people visit here from other parts of the globe, they are staggered to see the level of materialistic comfort and majority of Americans have come to view as a necessity. In other words, we're spoiled rotten. The Lord had many warnings about greed, and yet most of us rarely even consider that we might be given to the sin of greed. In two other places, Paul characterized greed as a form of idolatry. Colossians 3 and 5, Ephesians 5 and 5. I am measured by the things that I flee from, and in the context of this passage, I am to flee with all my strength against greed. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, a man or a woman will never be measured by how many hours he or she spent at the job, by how, many, how much money he or she made, or how many possessions that he or she owned. The real value of a man or a woman's life is what they fled from. You'll discover that in fleeing, there are some virtues that pour into your life. You will discover godliness, contentment, humility, perseverance, and a host, a host of other things that God will bless you with. The second thing that a man of God is measured, a woman of God is measured by, is what he or she follows after. We're to follow after these things which with the same amount of energy that we have used to flee from the trappings of this world. The word that Paul uses gives the indication that it is to be 
a lifelong pursuit that we are never to stop pursuing. Make it a goal of your life to achieve these six things. Now listen. Righteousness. Godliness. Faith. Love. Patience. Meekness. That means gentleness. A man or a woman of true faith will find him or himself or herself coveting and pursuing these everlasting possessions of the soul, of the soul. You may ask, Pastor, why are you including those pronouns of her and she? I'll tell you why. Because in many cases, we have a, a, a one-person home. So maybe there's not a father in the home, and maybe she is acting as father. And so on Father's Day, there's no father around. So mom is acting as dad as well. And on many Mother's Day, it's dad that's acting as mother because there's never been a mother around for many, many years. That's why. A man or woman of true faith will be finding himself coveting and pursuing these everlasting possessions of the soul. I wanted to repeat that. A man who is following or a woman who is following these kinds of things will find an incredible, incredible spiritual focus in their lives. And it's hard to get a man or a woman who is focused to be tuned, turned aside from their goals. Measured by what they fight for. Fight the good fight. Agonosa ton kalon agonona. Literally agonize the good agony. Paul is informing us that every step of the, uh, of the way, there will be a fight to contend with. There are adversaries that if you would see them, would terrify you. But you don't walk by what you can see. You walk with confidence and you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to turn your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, while I wipe my eyes and glasses. We're doing very well. We're down to 118. Praise God. Hallelujah. I hope you're praying for me. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Now, Zechariah chapter 10, verse 5. And they shall be as mighty men which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle, and they shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be confounded. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse 4. 
for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. I'll say it again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devils. Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and of blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness uh, in high places. Uh, wherefore, take unto you, uh, take upon you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Don't check out on the fight. Don't check out on the fight. Don't turn away, brothers and sisters. Our generation needs to fighting men and women more than they ever have before. Stay at your battle stations and do not, or excuse me, do the right thing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand your ground that we might fight the good fight. That we might prevail with God and with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There was, a, there was an experiment that took place almost 30 years ago at the National Institute of Mental Health, funded by your tax dollars. If you had a job 30 years ago, the experiment took place in a nine-foot square cage designed to hold 160 mice. Over two and a half year time frame, the colony of mice grew from eight to 2,200. As the population grew, the researchers led by Dr. John Calhoun began to observe changes in the mice's behavior. Now the summary was this. Adults formed in um, cliques of about a dozen mice per group. The males who normally protected their territory withdrew from leadership and become uncharacteristically passive. The females become unusually aggressive and forced out the young. The whole mouse society became disrupted. After five years, all the mice had died, even though there was an abundance of food, water, and resources, and an uh, absence of disease. While we aren't mice, there are some similarities in the way that the males in the mouse society and the human society are related. As men, there is a tendency to want to check out 
and let the world pass us by. George uh, Barna has identified some troubling statistics for the church at large in America today. Women are twice as likely to be involved in discipleship in the church as men are. They are 57% more likely to attend Sunday school. They are 56% more likely to hold leadership positions. And they are 54% more likely to participate in small groups. Now, a godly man is measured by what he fights for. And we cannot become disconnected and isolated from the house of God. We have to take the fight to the devil. Even in the small church, we cannot get in a rut where we think, well, you know, we can have Sunday services and that's fine. We're doing God's work. No, you're not. You're in a rut. Just because you're having Sunday services, God did not build his church just to have Sunday services. Get out of the rut. I look back over some of the things that I have preached to you in the last couple of uh, this last year, and there are three dominant things that seem to surface. Love for the doctrine and the lifestyle. Prayer. And you're in a spiritual battle. Constantly we're in a spiritual battle. Those are the three things that I get emails on all the time. People want more about it. They want me to get louder. They want me to get more, more spiritual. There are some things that we ought to be willing to fight for in our generation. Fight for your own personal identity as a person. Fight for the battle for personal holiness. Fight for the fight for your family. Fight through the pain of living in a fallen world around us. Fight for some closely, close godly friends in your neighborhood and in your church. Fight for the strong faith to take over the church. And begin to witness in your community. Now, in conclusion, the power of a fighting father for his children and his grandchildren. A number of years ago, a deadly disaster was averted because of the prayers of a fighting father. Pastor Anthony Mangan and his father-in-law, Brother James Lumpkin, along with Brother Magnum's son, Gentry, all went out on a lake for an afternoon of water skiing. And the boat was loaded with skiing equipment and gas tanks filled for what was going to be an afternoon of fun. At some point during the trip, for whatever reason, the gas tanks burst into flames and the boat caught fire with a small explosion taking place. They were tossed into the water here was Brother Anthony Gentry and Brother Lumpkin with a burning boat and the, and the deep water of the lake to contend with. 
if my memory serves me correctly, Gentry was probably around 10 years old or so, and Brother Lumpkin was in his 60s and not in the greatest health. Now, can you imagine the fear and the panic, the uncertainty that these men were in on that day? Although the boat was severely damaged, none of them were hurt. Another boat nearby saw the explosion and came over and pulled them out of the lake. But there is more to the story. Early in the week, Brother G.A. Magnum had felt a pressing burden to pray for his son and Brother Anthony. Not only that Brother G.A. known for his praying, he was also known for his fasting, and so he did not eat for several days. He would go to church early before dawn and spend hours and hours praying for his son without really knowing the reason for doing so. There were several times throughout the week that Brother would ask Brother Anthony if everything was all right, and he would reply back that he was doing fine and all was well. But neither one of these men knew that there was a God and who was pushing a father to fight a war on his knees. Prayer rooms, prayer altars, lingering in prayer do so much, so much, much for us. On that day, because the elder Magnum's prayers, there were angels hovering over his son, a grandson, and a dear friend. And very well could have been the same angels that saved Daniel in his lion's den. And those who wiped out Sennacherib's army during Isaiah's Ezekiel's time. But on that day, their assignment was a lake in Alexandria because of that prayer's of a fighting father. Father, it is time for us to be measured by what we flee from, follow after, and fight for. For this is the day, for this is the day that the Lord has made. And I pray that every father and every grandfather that celebrates this Father's Day would remember that story. That you too would know when it would be time to pray Pray for your children, pray for your grandchildren, pray for your sons and your daughters. Church, it's time that we hit our knees and begin to pray for this country, that all of our children, grandchildren, would be safe on this Father's Day. May the Lord bless you, may he keep you, may he make his face to shine upon you till he brings us back once again. In Jesus' name I pray. We love you all. God bless each and every one of you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Happy Father's Day, everyone. From Pastor Davenport, Spiritual Awareness and Gospel of Faith Church, Ashfork, Arizona, Fort Mojave, Arizona. God bless you. Hope to see you soon. See you next week here on this broadcast.